So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, coming to you from our Come and See studio here in Ada. And it's the 5th of January, um, the second Sunday after Christmas. Happy New Year to everyone. That piece of music that just led us into the programme there was by Ada Jones. Uh, Still, still, still. Beautiful piece of music, nice and peaceful to lead us in. After all the noise we might have experienced over the Christmas. Help me to produce the programme again, as usual, and welcome to Come and See Inspiration Studio. Shane Ambrose, how are you? Good morning, John, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, and thanks a lot for joining me, Shane, this morning. As you said, on this, the second Sunday after Christmas, it's the 5th of January. It's a very special welcome, especially as usual, to those of our listeners who are at home, who are lonely and struggling and on their own, I suppose. Uh, maybe had some visitors, maybe didn't have any visitors at all during the Christmas. But we hope that you enjoyed what we were able to bring over the Christmas, especially the Christmas Day programme, for two hours. And and again, if anybody couldn't get that for whatever reason, just give us a text or an email and we'll see what we can do to to get you a copy of that. Our text is 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. And our email for this programme is sacredspace102 at gmail.com Of course that gives people an indication that Sacred Space email there is because our programme is broadcast every Sunday 
Japan, Sacred Space at West Limit 102 Local Radio at 10am and 11pm. And also is available for playback and download on a variety of platforms, including Come and See Inspirations.buzzbread.com. Again, if we advised before, if you just Google Come and See Inspirations, you get us there. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, and also you can get us on our own Sacred Space blog. That's sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So again, thanks a lot for joining us, and a Happy New Year to everyone. We hope that your Christmas was joyful, inspirational, and you're ready now to face this new year with the same vigour as we did in 2019. To help us do that, maybe to start off the year in terms of saints, Shane, you got a few saints for us this week, please? Sure, John. Um, so we, okay, folks, just in case you're wondering, myself and John haven't lost our leave of senses. It is still Christmas. Um, I know it's Happy New Year and all the rest of it, but from a liturgical point of view, we are still in the Christmas season. So um, this week, of course, tomorrow, Monday, the 6th of January, of, of course, the Feast of Epiphany. Now, we will talk about Epiphany in part two of the programme, so I'm going to leave that one there as it is. Just to remind people, um, from an Irish perspective, that Epiphany is a holy day of obligation so you um if you're if if you which means you have to go to mass either this evening sunday evening or tomorrow for the feast day it's not enough just to go to mass this morning if you happen to be going to chapel so uh tuesday um is the 7th of january and it's the feast day of saint raymond of penafort he is um he's a dominican saint and he was actually one of the successors of saint dominic as the master of the dominican order and he was also an archbishop. But actually, his claim to fame is the fact that he is the patron saint of um, canon lawyers. So I have one or two canon lawyers who I claim as acquaintances, so I wish them a happy feast day. Then on the 8th of January, we have the feast day of St. Atticus of Constantinople. There's a mouthful to say very quickly this morning over your uh, bakers and rashers. Um, Atticus, uh, now this is he, he's an interesting guy. He actually started out as a heretic. He supported the, what was called the Macedonian heresy, which basically tried to make out that the Holy Spirit was not part of the Trinity. And he even opposed St. John Chrysostom and worked against him uh, in various councils. He was appointed Archbishop of Constantinople when John was sent into exile in 406. But what, the way it's described is he eventually recognised his error, repented his opposition and submitted to Pope Innocent. So I love the way it's kind of blandly written. There was probably a knife or you know a rope somewhere hanging in the man's background. Indeed. And he died in 425 of natural causes. So that's Atticus of Constantinople. So just go to saints. Even heretics can become saints. Then on the uh, 9th of January, we have the feast day of St. Adrian of Canterbury. He's one of the Eng- he's an English saint, but he's actually his family fled to Naples uh, around six forties. He was a Benedictine monk, a monk, and he accompanied Theodore of Tarsus, who was sent to be the Archbishop of Canterbury, and he arrived in England around six sixty nine. He was the abbot of Saint Peter's, which was the monastery founded by Saint Augustine of Canterbury, otherwise known in more um, it's 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 the Abbey at Canterbury where Canterbury Cathedral is now. And they were very, he was very successful as a missionary, and he was very much associated with learning, teaching languages, mathematics, poetry, and founded the school of Canterbury. And he died in 710 of natural causes. And his body was allegedly found incorrupt in 1091. Then on the 10th of January, we returned to Armagh, 
and it is the feast day of St. Tomian of Armagh, otherwise known as Thomas of Armagh. He was a bishop of Armagh around 623 AD, and he was very much involved in the controversy over the proper dating for the celebration of Easter, because there was a slight problem in that the Celtic Church, uh, which was the church you know associated with St. Patrick and parts of Scotland, calculated the day for Easter slightly different to the Roman usage. Okay. And eventually that was all sorted out with a big synod at Whitbury, I think it was, or Whitby, was how it's pronounced, and uh, where we, um, um, what was the word? We acknowledge Rome's calculation. Where you say that? Yes, I know. The <laughs> politics, well, you should read the politics. Mm, it's mm. entertaining half the time. Then on the 11th of January, we have the feast day of St. Etna. Now, Etna is associated with a guy called King Leogare of Ireland. Now, I haven't been able to actually find out who he is. Um, she and her sister allegedly met St. Patrick near the fountain of Clebach, where they received instructions in Christianity and were baptised. And later died in an ecstasy of love. I thought that's a nice way to go. Mm. So an ancient church was built over her grave. And by tradition, her relics are in the cathedral in Armagh. So that's what we have on the 11th. So a couple of nice, simple ones just to ease us into the new year. Now, a couple of things just to point out to a couple of people. Just to point out to people is, of course, that, <clears throat> excuse me, the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity runs next week, which is the 18th to the 25th of January. Now, last year we had a program and we had um, brother, well, he's now father, Martin Brown on the program talking about ecumenism. That's right. yeah. yeah. So Martin was talking about the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity because, of course, he's involved with drawing up the prayers. So we might talk about that a small bit on next week's program. Then, in addition to that, of course, the week just gone, we had the World Day of Prayer for Peace 2020, which is always held on the 1st of January. And, of course, this year, um, Bishop Brendan um, joined us in my home parish in Shannon Golden to say Mass for that day. So what Bishop Brendan does is he goes around to various parishes in uh-huh. the diocese uh-huh. on the 1st of January uh, to say the Mass uh, for peace. And, of course, Pope Francis also published his world, his message for the World Day of Prayer for Peace, which was on the theme of peace as a journey of hope. Dialogue, Reconciliation and Ecological Conversion. So that's available on the Vatican website. It's only about a page and a half. And, you know, just to go through, so he talks about recognising each other as brothers and sisters, the fact that we also need to, you know, overcome personal and political interests, fraternity, fraternity generates dialogue and trust, and that then God provides all that we can hope for. Then finally, now John is sitting here going, where is he going with this one? Mm-hmm. So, uh, as well as that, they, well, not finally, just just to point out and remind people, of course, as it is the start of the year. So the 2020 um, letter from Taizé has been published. So many people may be familiar with it, that each year, and started out with Brother Roger, who was the founder of the Taizé community in France near Burgundy. And each year they publish a letter which forms the themes for the reflections for the pilgrims that will go to Taizé every year, and it's published internationally. And even if you don't go to Taizé, it's lovely to read through. It, and um, Brother Alios, who's been, the, who's been the, the, the leader of the community there, published again this year. And it's always on the move, never uprooted. And it's available, as always, on the Taizé website, which is taizé.fr. Um, uh, so that's available for people there as well. Now, finally, John, this one. So, there is a tradition associated <laughs> with Epiphany, um, and the tradition, of course, is what's called the announcement of Easter. Now, it arose from a time, of course, when people didn't have calendars per se, and just when people would be in church and they would all be gathered, it would be one time of the year to point out to them the upcoming feast days in the liturgical year. So, technically, of course, the season at Christmas ends with the celebration of the baptism of the Lord, and... 
the Solemnity of Epiphany offers an opportunity to proclaim the centrality of Christ's Paschal mystery and the, the way that it's all interlinked from incarnation to Christmas to the cross at Calvary and onwards to the empty tomb on the Easter Sunday morning. And um, the announcement is as follows. So just so that you're aware, if you want to, you know, I'm not going to read out the whole thing. There's a whole spiel that goes with this. I'm not going to go through it literally line by line. But just for those of you that might be interested. So Ash Wednesday this year falls on the 26th day of February. And the beginning of what is called the Fast of the Most Sacred Lenten Season. On the 12th of April, we will celebrate with joy Easter Sunday or Easter Day, the Paschal Feast. On the 24th of May, it'll be Ascension. The 31st of May is Pentecost. And then the 14th of June is Corpus Christi. And then we start the whole cycle all over again next year on the 29th of November, which will be the first Sunday of Advent. So anyway, anyway, I always find it interesting to find out. So Ash Wednesday is the 26th of February and Easter Sunday is the 12th of April. That's the two dates you kind of need to remember. People often ask me, you know, Shane, what is a liturgical nerd? And I said, just <laughs> listen to Shane every week and say good space. Well done. Brilliant. Thanks a lot for that. OK, at this part of the programme, we go for our usual communion, our spiritual communion prayer. Of course, the best way to receive Christ is in Holy Communion and the Mass. Yet for those times you can't make Mass, um, you can still reach out to him by making a spiritual communion prayer. Especially for those people, those countless people who would love to go to Mass uh, every Sunday. Uh, most people, uh, quite a few of them, actually used to go to Mass on a daily basis. But can't receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament at Mass. But here's a spiritual communion prayer that we join with you. And we say each Sunday here on Sacred Space. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So it's time to go for our second piece of music this morning. Um, this one is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and this is sung by the Sixteen and Harry Christophers. So let's hear this.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in the studio here by Shane. Of course, that was a beautiful piece of music again by the Celtic tenors, We Three Kings, to lead us back into part two, because actually we are going to be chatting about the, the epiphany. But before that, we'll listen to a little piece of um, a podcast that, that I picked up from, actually it's from Worcester, Worcester Cathedral. And uh, this is a Stuart Murray, who's the chaplain to the bishop there. And Stuart is telling us, he's giving us a little bit of a, a reflection on um, Epiphany. So let's see this. 
My name is Stuart Curry, and I am chaplain to the Bishop of Worcester. Well, that was soon over, wasn't it? I think I saw the first Christmas goodies on sale in the supermarket at the end of August. Four months of build-up, and it's over in a flash. I'll bet Easter eggs are already on sale. But of course, in church, Christmas is far from over. In the church year, the celebration of the Nativity of Jesus marks the start of 40 days of festivity, the season of Christmas and Epiphany, the birth of Jesus, followed by his presence and person being made public, to shepherds and angels, to wise travellers from the east, by John the Baptist, by the miracle at the wedding in Cana, as Jesus turned water into wine, so the party could go on. Let's not rush ahead. Let's savour the delight and the wonder of God with us. Think back, for instance, to the presents you've been given or have watched others receive, especially children. Part of the fun is to try and guess the contents concealed by the fancy festive wrapping that hides the present. What's inside? Will this be what I asked for? Will I have to conjure up a sincere-ish smile to cover my disappointment? Or will the discarded paper reveal something to surprise and delight in equal measure? Just like the gift-wrapped goodies, Christmas itself comes covered over, not by paper, but by years of tradition and local custom. And sometimes you have to peel away the layers to find what's inside. Take the three gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh, for example. The Epiphany hymn says of them, Sacred gifts of mystic meaning, Incense doth their God disclose, Gold the King of kings proclaimeth, Myrrh his sepulchre foreshows. That's one interpretation. Gold shows that Jesus is a king, incense that he is God, worthy of worship, and myrrh, an embalming ointment, foreshadows his death. I don't reject those ideas, it's just that they've become such a fixed, standard reading that they might stop people looking any further. Like wrapping paper, they might cover up other meanings. Back in the Middle Ages, St Bernard of Clairvaux suggested that the gifts were far more practical. Jesus was born in a stable, home to animals which were not house-trained. What could be more useful to counteract the acrid stench of urine, muck and methane than the fragrance of sweet frankincense? His manger bed was made of straw, sharp, prickly and crawling with bugs. Myrrh would have been the perfect balm to soothe his delicate skin, fresh from the womb. And Jesus was born in poverty. Mary and Joseph would have had far more use for gold than some king who already had more than he would ever be able to spend. Straight after the visit of the Magi, the Holy Family had to flee to Egypt to escape from the ruthless tyrant King Herod. Refugees, then as now, find border guards more amenable if they're offered a cash incentive and traffickers don't come cheap. Take the wrapping off Christmas, and you find a Jesus who is born in poverty, dirt and discomfort, a Jesus who is rescued from human violence by refugee parents. And if you discard the wrapping so you can see this Jesus, then you can begin to see him also in each of the five million refugees from Syria today, or the Rohingyas fleeing from Myanmar, You can see him in the face of people who are poor, 
marginalised and excluded, in the face of those who suffer. What's more, you can still give Jesus practical gifts by supporting the agencies that relieve human need and work to eradicate poverty and establish justice. And of course you can pray, because prayer makes a difference. Even in the midst of human suffering, God with us is present permanently. This is where the good news starts, and it's never over. In our prayers and by our lives, we who follow Jesus worship God, yes, at Christmas, and all year round as well. So that was Stuart Corey, who's the chaplain to the Bishop of uh, Worcester, throwing out a few little reflections and ideas there, Shane. And one of the thoughts actually that come to, to my mind this morning was there's an awful lot of us um, in a Catholic tradition who really don't understand what epiphany is all about. So can you throw a few little ideas in there? Well, OK. Um, I, I suppose epiphany... I suppose one of the things, one of the problems with the celebration of epiphanies in Ireland, um, I suppose, because for a long time, it's, it, you know, Christmas holidays were up until the 6th of January, generally. And the schools were generally closed until the 6th of January. And the 6th of January is also is a holiday of obligation. And of course, in the Irish tradition, it's not like the man. Uh, now, <clears throat> not like the man, of course, is women's Christmas or little Christmas. Now, John, you and I as two mere males, we're not going to... Um, not pontificate on what the meaning of Nolik Naman is, so we're going to pass quickly over that one. Um, but I suppose in terms of, um, I suppose, for for those that are maybe not so much from a rural background or from an Irish background, Epiphany sometimes can slide by because the focus is so much on the 25th. <clears throat> but the 6th of January, I suppose, it focuses around different things in different communities of faith. So for us in the in the Latin community, the, the you know the Roman Catholic community, mm-hmm. um, it focuses around the the manifestation of Jesus, the presentation of Jesus to the Magi, the the, the wise men from the from the East. Um, it is Christmas Day <clears throat> for those that follow the Julian calendar, which is generally the Orthodox Church. So they don't celebrate on the twenty fifth of December like we do. So today is their Christmas Day. And it is um, it is marked actually by the reading of the baptism of the Lord, which we celebrate on Sunday week. And then another feast, another gospel reading that's associated very much with this time, of course, is the wedding feast at Cana, which is the first manifestation, the first uh, miracle <clears throat> from the gospel of St. John. And the whole I think about it is this, is that it is very much exploring and showing out who Jesus was to the wider world and the mm, wider community. Because if you look at Christmas, the first people to whom the news, good news was proclaimed was the shepherds. So it was very much God communicating with his, whole, his chosen people, the Israelites, and their, the manifestation of the Messiah to them. <clears throat> Whereas the idea behind these seekers of truth and, and wisdom um, <clears throat> who have come from the East uh, is that they are very much um, seekers of, of, of wisdom seeking the path to God and that you know the whole idea is that their journeying towards the Christ child is the movement of the Gentiles towards Christ and even the whole idea of the star um, which may or may not have happened um, but it's a it's a theological um, mm-hmm. understanding that it is that you know Christ is the light and we all turn towards the light <clears throat> so 
that he is the three magi represent all those who truly search and seek for God in our world, even if they're from outside the community and outside our faith experiences. So I suppose the different types of questions that we'd ask ourselves is, you know, what star do we follow in our lives? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, are we open to see the divine in others, even if they're different from us? Um, so it's 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 interesting too when you look at different traditions around the world. So in many Orthodox communities today, you'd have pictures tonight on the television of these um, strange individuals jumping into water on the sixth of January, which looks very 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 cold. And uh, generally, because of course it's associated with the baptism of the Lord, so the water has been blessed, and a local priest will generally ch- ch- throw in um, a, a, a cross which has to be rescued. <clears throat> Uh, particularly they go to the extremes in Russia because what you'll do is you'll see them having gone out onto the middle of a frozen lake and they'll have mm. cut a big cross into the middle of the ice and what you do is you get in one end of the cross and you swim to the other end or the other and you get out and try not to suffer from hypothermia. So um, that's that's one of the traditions in certain countries. Um, of course, in some countries today is also the 6th of January is the day when actually the presents arrive. It's not the 25th. That's right. Mm. Um, now, in, I suppose we should say that for the likes of, say, of Holland... The Christmas presents arrive on the 6th of December because that's the Feast of St. Nicholas. Mm, Then for other countries, such as Ireland and England, they arrive on the 25th of December because that's when Santa Claus, otherwise known as St. Nicholas, comes visiting. (laughs) And then in countries very much around the Mediterranean basin, so we're talking the likes of um, Spain, maybe parts of Austria, parts of Italy, the gifts arrive, arrive today because they're actually brought by the three wise men. So um, so that's Celebration Day. Now, another tradition very much associated with Epiphany, and it's one which is growing very much online. Now, it's, it's a tradition associated more, again, with the Mediterranean parts of Germany and Austria. Um, <clears throat> it's very much been taken up online and kind of is spreading into the, the Anglo, Anglo, Anglo-Saxon world, if you want to call it like that, into mm-hmm. the UK and the States and ourselves and Australia, where is this tradition of the, the blessed chalk, so on the Feast of the Epiphany, the parish priest would bless some chalk. And then when you go home, the head of the household would write over the door. So for 2020, it would be 2-0, cross C, cross M, cross B, cross 20. So it's basically 2020 at the beginning and the middle. Uh, sorry, at the beginning and the end. And in the middle, then, you have the abbreviations of the three wise men, okay. which is Casper, yeah. Mel- Melchiz- Mel- Melchor and Balthazar. Um, so idea the the idea being to seek you know the protection and the blessing of the house for the coming year. Um, and of of course then as well as that there are also in um, say so in the in the in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church today is a, is a huge festival, um, uh, particularly because of course it is it is it is their it is their their Christmas. <clears throat> so. Uh, the and it's it also marks the beginning of the preparation for the celebration of Temkat, which is the celebration of the baptism of the Lord, which starts on the nineteenth of January. And of course, the Ethiopians, <coughs> just for people that are aware, want mm-hmm. to be aware of these things. Okay. The Ethiopians have their own way and have their own calendar, and they have their own New Year. So it's not twenty twenty in Ethiopia. I'm not quite sure what the year is. I must actually ask <laughs> one of my <laughs> colleagues that works in the Ethiopian yeah, okay, in the okay, Ethiopian office. Yeah. But they have their own way of counting years. So their their New Year starts up. Um, fairly fairly soon as well. So then, I suppose, Epiphany, <clears throat> just to bring it back, I suppose, as well, it's it's also in Ireland, it's the day traditionally where the Christmas decorations were taken down. Now, um, in the piece we just heard uh, from that gentleman from... Stuart, yeah, from, from, from Worcester. Worcester Cathedral. Mm-hmm. He mentioned about 40 days. And that's that was, before the Second Vatican Council, the Christmas season ran from uh, sunset on Christmas Eve all the way up until 
Candlemas, mm-hmm. which is the 2nd of February. Okay. So people, older people will probably remember that the cribs were left up in the churches pretty much for the whole month of January. And it was 40 days. Mm. So it was, you know, it was, it was this whole thing with 40 days. We have 40 days of Lent, we have 50 days of Easter, um, you know. 40 days. 40 yeah. days. Mm. So, um, and the idea being, <clears throat> it was bookended end to end. So the Christ child was born on Christmas Eve, and then the purification of the presentation was on the 2nd uh, which marked um, the closure of 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 the of, of of the season of the nativity, but of course, uh, since the Second Vatican Council, Christmas now finishes on the feast of the baptism of the Lord, which is the Sunday after Epiphany. So, okay. in an Irish context, that means Sunday week. So today is the fifth, five and seven. So the twelfth of January is the last day of Easter. Okay. Um, now, obviously, for our American cousins that might be listening on the podcasts. And I think even I think some of our English cousins that might be living on listening on the podcasts mm-hmm. today, the fifth of January, is their epiphany. Just to confuse things even further, Lovely. because in certain churches around the world, epiphany has been moved to the nearest Sunday. Okay. Yes, okay, they don't. Okay, they they, they, they yeah. no longer keep it on the sixth like we do in Ireland. And of course, the other thing about the sixth, of course, it's twelfth night. The twelfth night, twelve days of Christmas, twelfth night is the is the sixth is the fifth the night of the fifth going into the sixth as well. So it's all that kind of thing wrapped up around it, and it's the whole thing of time and season and cosmos, and the recognition and the prolongation of the celebration for the birth of Christ. And of course, in fact, it's a great old excuse for a winter holiday. Very good, Shane. Thanks a lot for finishing off on that note. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we we are going to discuss more about the Epiphany because we're actually going to read uh, the Gospel of the Epiphany in part three. But in the meantime, we're time for to go for our fourth bit of music, and this time. We didn't play this one actually last week. It's by James Cavan entitled Sweet Mary Sing. So let's this. The star in the sky was shining so bright, lighting the path of the faithful that night. As they gathered to celebrate the humble affair A wondrous melody filled the night air They heard sweet Mary sing A soft lullaby to the new and the words that she sang helped him sleep peacefully the night they heard sweet Mary sing as she sang of her joy her hopes and her love her voice echoed back from the heavens above her song filled the hearts of all creatures there they were feeling God's love in this mother's prayer they heard sweet Mary sing a soft lullaby That she sang helped him sleep peacefully the night they heard sweet Mary sing. 
So welcome back again to part three of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Curley, still joined in studio here by Shane. And this part of the programme is where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Now I say the Sunday Gospel, but today we're going to make a little bit of an exception. And that tomorrow, being the Feast of the Epiphany, we thought it important, especially for those of our listeners who mightn't get a chance to hear that Gospel, to read that particular Gospel and give out a few little reflections on that one this morning. So before I read that Gospel, Shane might pray this prayer that we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for the Epiphany is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, and is verse 1 to 12. After Jesus had been born at Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign of King Herod, some wise men came to Jerusalem from the east. Where is the infant king of the Jews, they asked. We saw his star as it rose, and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was perturbed, and so was the whole of Jerusalem. He called together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. At Bethlehem in Judea, they told him. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by Judea, you are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men to see him privately. He asked them the exact date on which the star had appeared, and they and sent them on to Bethlehem. Go and find out all about the child, he said. And when you have found him, let me know, so that I too may go and do him homage. Having listened to what the king had to say, they set out, and there in front of them was the star they had seen rising. It went forward and halted over the place where the child was. The sight of the star filled them with delight. And going into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and falling to their knees, they did in homage. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and returned to their own country by a different way. So that's the Gospel for today, the Epiphany of the Lord. Shine a few thoughts, please, sir. 
Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. Of course, we've had to go back to Matthew's Gospel for today's feast, because I think I think Matthew's Gospel is the only one that has actually the account of the three wise men. Now, it's interesting. <coughs> we're not actually sure who they were. <coughs> you know, it's 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 um, as we said in part two. It's about the idea that there is this manifestation or this showing of the Christ child to the people of the world outside of the people of Israel. Just as an aside, it's an interesting one that when the Persians conquered the Holy Land, I think it was around the 6, 620, 650 AD, and they they took the city, the town of Bethlehem. So as they were going through, they were generally demolishing and raising every church that they crossed. But when they entered the Basilica of the Nativity in, in, in Bethlehem, um, there on the wall was a mosaic of the visits of the three wise men. And, of course, tradition was they were three Persians. So when they saw the Persians visiting uh, at the Basilica of the Nativity, they didn't level it to the ground. So it's actually it's one of the few um, places in the Holy Land which has not actually ever been pretty much demolished to the ground. So the tradition was, of course, that they came from the east. <clears throat> but I suppose... It's always good to reflect that um, they came. They were looking for Bethlehem, which, which of course is the the holy city of King David, and um, which is the holy city of King you know, of King David. And of course, that links back into the prophecies that were to be made about the restoration of the house of David. The Magi, I suppose, um, sometimes from the land of the east or land of sunrise, and they were, uh, they were generally understood to be members of Persian priestly caste. I suppose the other thing to be is that we're not 100% sure, but I suppose the idea is that um, we see these seekers of, of, of Christ, seekers of God. And I suppose the idea is that, you know, um, they were people who were looking to encounter the divine, open to God in their lives. And I suppose that's the question that's put, for us, put forward before us is the fact that we open to experience the encounter with the divine in our daily lives. And I suppose the idea is that previously, I know it was last year or the year before when Pope Francis was reflecting on his, this for his homily for the Feast of the Epiphany, he spoke about how the star of Jesus gently invites us. Um, you know, mm. the Magi lifted their eyes into the heavens to see the star. And, you know, the star doesn't dazzle, it doesn't overwhelm, but it's like a gentle invitation for us to encounter the divine. Um you know, they there are other things that kind of blaze forth like minor suns, like success or money, whichever the case might be. Um, but I suppose the idea was the star, the star is the symbol of joy. I suppose then as well as that, I suppose there's the whole idea that the Magi were journeying. And I think it's an important thing for us to remember that the encounters we have with God are always an enjo- a journey throughout our lives. I think we need to be very careful um you know, sometimes we can get very complacent about things that we do and kind of trundle along without really thinking about it. So you could have somebody, for example, just just to give it as, as an example, someone that goes to church every week, goes to, does their mass, and that's it. That's all they do. Um, but that's not necessarily just enough. Um, you know, there are six there are six other days in the week, uh, each with twenty four hours in them. And we're encouraged always to be looking out for moments of the divine of our lives. And I suppose the idea is that faith is a journey throughout life. And I suppose one of the challenges is that, particularly in Ireland, we, we're formed in faith, 
you know, while we're in primary school to a lesser or greater degree up to around the age of 12, then what happens after that is we're pretty much cast off and you're kind of left to your own devices to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is that, you know, some of us, many of us, we grow up and we're adults, but with a limited understanding of the basics of the faith that we say we profess. So the, the challenge and the opportunity which the Magi present to us is always to undergo that journey of exploration and going deeper into the message and as we said to encounter those moments of the divine as we go off in our daily lives but also that journeying is very much shaking off the idea of world world worldly comforts um you know it's we're called to kind of uh leave behind uh the armchair of worldly comforts and the reassuring reassuring warmth of hearth, hearth and home um you know we have to be able to come overcome the risks of going out and putting out into the deep as John Paul II wrote in one of his letters. Um, and as well as that, I think, as well as that, it's also a free gift given. You know, no one's coercing us to do it. Um, and that's the reminder, I suppose, about the gifts that the Magi gave. Now, I have to say, I prefer the um, non-Saint Bernard uh, interpretation that we have. So gold, frankincense and myrrh, of course, kingship. Frankincense, frankincense reflects the divinity of Christ. And myrrh recognising the fact that he was to die for us. Um, you know, so it's moments, things for us to ponder on as we look on this Sunday's gospel. Hello, Shane. Thanks for that. Just a little thought that came to my mind. Just like the three wise men, uh, or, the, or the wise men, we might have to travel a distance to find Jesus ourselves. We are sometimes drawn by something we feel inside our hearts going along the journey of life. It might involve um, a time, maybe we got involved maybe with a prayer group, or it might be on a pilgrimage to, to, a, whole, to a, a religious shrine. Then we arrive at that moment when all the dots seem to join a little bit more together. We get that what we call the epiphany moment. Ah, when the real Jesus and his message become clearer to us, just like the wise men. We're filled with joy, and like the wise men, we fall on our knees to do homage to Jesus. Today we're told the wise men offered Jesus gifts. The question we can ask ourselves, what gifts would Jesus like to receive from us? Maybe we can just ponder on that for a few seconds now on the last few moments of this programme this morning. Maybe a final thought. Let's all thank God for for all the the angels and the messengers who have been the stars in our life, who have shone their stars for us to follow on our journey to finding Jesus. So again, I suppose for myself, as as we begin a new year, as I said there last week, the week before, I certainly want to thank God for all the people that I've met on my journey, all the people who've inspired me and encouraged me to keep going when time seemed a little bit tough and I didn't understand things and so on and so forth. And then I come to that moment when, you know, it might be a bit of music, it might be something that Shane said here in the programme, it might have been something through a homily, it might have been on a pilgrimage. But that's all, to my mind anyway, that's all messages, messengers that are coming. It might be stars and it might be angels and it might be people I've met and whatever it might be. Just thank the Lord for all of that. So I suppose, Shane, as we start off the new year, it's not a bad little idea to, to, to start off with this particular gospel of the Epiphany. It's it's new beginning, it's starting off of a new journey. And just to trust that um, we won't be left alone. Exactly. Um Exactly, that we won't be, we, won't, we don't journey onwards in faith on our own. 
I suppose to be Christian, as we've said, we've said it a number of times on the program, it's echoing the ancient message of the church. I think it's St. Ambrose or St. Augustine, I can't remember which. To be Christian is to be in communion and in community. Um, you know, it's it's one of the things, I suppose, that's kind of a contradiction in terms of somebody that says they don't need the church but calls themselves Christian. You can't have one without the other. We kind of goes hand in hand um, because it's the very definition of what it is to be a Christian. Um, and it's something for us to think about. Today, I suppose, or this weekend, I suppose, is the end of the Christmas season for many people. We're kind of back into the run of things now for January. And I suppose it's also an opportunity for us to pause and think about maybe... Um, gifts that we would like to give the Christ child like the Magi on this Feast of the Epiphany. Something maybe as, you know, maybe a New Year's resolution mm. that we would like to take up and continue in on, into the into the new year. And we enter in, I suppose, to an extended uh, liturgical season, of course, coming drawing to the end of the Christmas season, the Christmas Tide, as it's called. And it's also a reminder to us, I suppose, as well, for us to think and reflect about those that journey on different paths to ourselves, but always seeking the good in life. Um, you know, we don't necessarily always have all the answers, no. and we have to be aware and conscious and humility, hum, humble enough to recognise that, and that sometimes we might get things wrong. So that's we need to be open to those that are different in, the, in some respects, um, to be open to other messages, but also to be sure of what we ourselves believe so that we can have that dialogue with each other and form and inform each other as we journey through life. Good thoughts to follow through for the rest of the year from Shane. Thank you so much for that. So now we'll go out for our final piece of music this morning. And as Shane just said, you know, using those words of hope that we've tried to, to transmit over the last hour maybe on the programme here, we'll go with a final piece of music uh, by Don Moen this time again, and it's entitled Season of Hope. So let's make this maybe a year of hope. So for myself and Shane, until next week when we try to do it all again, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. The prophet told us long ago come to bring us hope, a star lit up the night to show the way, oh, oh, for all the wise men seeking truth, the child came as living proof, the light of all the world still shines today. It's a season of hope, a season of joy, and it all goes back to a baby boy. When God reached down and changed the world forever, we can reach out, we can be. Try to hide their fear 
season of hope, a season of joy. change the world yes it can we are his hands and we are his feet across a thousand miles or across your street we are his hands and we are his feet across a thousand miles or across your street we've got season of hope, a season of joy, and it all goes back to a baby boy, when God reached down and changed the world.